God, when we think about you and we think about your attributes and the characteristics that we describe you with, um, when we think about the word great, your faithfulness comes to mind. Lord, uh, around this room, every person would no doubt have a story of your faithfulness. And Lord, we thank you that you don't give up on us. And as we talk about this morning, we thank you for the patience that you have with us and the grace that you have for us. God, I pray uh, for my friends this morning as we turn to your word and your truth, Lord, that you would teach us and remind us, God, again, of who you are and all that you have done in our place. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Thanks for being here this morning. Glad that you are here worshiping with us and those who are joining us online. We're glad that you're joining us online. And for the Kindred Campus tonight, who's gathering at 6.30, that's exciting. If you have a Bible, we're gonna be in two different places this morning. The first one is 2 Peter 3, verses eight and nine. And then we're gonna go to Ephesians 4, 2, because we're talking about patience this morning. 2 Peter 3, 8, 9. If you're following us on version, which is that Bible app, uh, everything is there for you. So we are in this series called The Nine, or The Fruit of the Spirit. And this morning we're continuing on and we're talking about patience. And I've already asked several different people this question, but I'll ask you this question. You don't have to answer it out loud. But where do you struggle with patience? What area of life or certain situations uh, do you struggle with patience? So kind of maybe get that in mind uh, as we make our way through these passages this morning. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 list the nine fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, is what the scripture says. And so each week we are looking at one of the nine of the fruit of the Spirit, and Paul introduces the nine fruit of the Spirit by first reminding us, if you remember when I started this series, he starts by reminding us that they are opposite of the works of the flesh. Each of the nine can be faked out of the flesh but they can only be genuine if they're of the Spirit. You could take any of the nine, you could pick any of them. For example, we can love out of the flesh, right? It would be self-focused, it would be conditional because the place from which it originates is this place of, of, of a fallen nature or because of sin. But we can also love genuinely and authentically when our love originates through the Spirit, and that's what we've been talking about for the past several weeks. So to truly understand the fruit of the Spirit, we have to understand the difference, and I want you to, I want you to kind of think about this, between moral modification and spiritual transformation. Moral modification is when a person works really hard to be a better person and who gives this outward appearance of change. But spiritual transformation is when a person is changed through the gospel and the spirit working in us. And there's a huge difference, friends. The nine become fruits of the flesh when they're displayed through moral modification or, or this, this idea of working out in the flesh or trying really hard. Each one becomes independent from the others when they're fruits of the flesh. We work on them independently in the flesh, right? Whichever one of the nine maybe we're struggling in, we try to improve. 
trying to love more, show kindness and exercise self-control. Here's the truth, and you know this, it doesn't work. Moral modification never lasts long term because its resource is limited and temporary because its resource is you, it's me. Fruits of the flesh leave you exhausted and unfulfilled. And you know this because you've tried it. You've been in situations where it's like, man, I'm really lacking in this area, or I'm really struggling in this area, or I really wanna love people more, I just wanna have more joy, I wanna be happier, or, or I wanna have greater peace or patience. And like, I'm just gonna really work at this. I'm gonna go read maybe some self-help books, or, or just listen to people, or, or try really hard, or, or, or follow the memes on Facebook, or whatever it is for you. It's all out of the flesh. Like, I can do this on my own. You've tried it, so have I. Try harder, do better. My marriage is struggling because I'm lacking in this area. I'm gonna really work on this area. And it's out of the flesh and it doesn't last. And when Paul introduced the fruit of the spirit, he was saying there is a different way. There's a whole different way. It happens through spiritual transformation. It's no longer about you trying harder or, or doing better. It's way more about you being transformed than it is about you trying harder. Do you know how much freedom there is in that? Do you know the weight that gets lifted when you just process that? Just to recap the difference of the flesh and moral modification versus fruit of the spirit and spiritual transformation. Moral modification, we try harder. As an example, when we exercise patience from a place of moral modification, we are patient because we wanna give this appearance to other people that we're not selfish or rude. And so we said, well, we're gonna work on patience because I, I, I don't want people to think that I'm selfish or rude. And moral modification says you can do it. Moral modification allows you to appear different without actually ever changing. but the fruits of the flesh really are all about you. Looking and acting different, usually because it gets you something in return. But spiritual transformation says the spirit can do it. Spiritual transformation allows you to be different because you are different. The fruit of the spirit always points to God and it always points to his glory. So how do we move from this, this conditioned moral modification of what we've been taught and, and encouraged with, with no real heart change to, to this idea of spiritual transformation? Or we could say, or how do we move from the fruits of the flesh to the fruit of the spirit? Here's a key word in this whole thing. If you're exhausted and you're, and you're trying to be a better person and you're looking at these nine fruits of the spirit from the flesh, here's a key word. How do we move from there to, to spiritual transformation? The key word is this, surrendering. You will hear me use that word almost every single week. Like I would stand up here and I would say, I'm talking to those of you who have surrendered your life to Christ. Or I might say it's important that you surrender your life to Christ over and over and over again. Friends, here's what it means to surrender and you're like, well, I'm a Christian. Or maybe you're here and you're like, I don't even know what it means to be a Christian. All across the board, listen to this. Here's what it means to surrender. We have to come face to face with the wicked condition of our heart 
and that every fleshly thing in us is against God. We have to admit our need for forgiveness and the need for a savior. We have allowed the power of the gospel to grip us by being honest about the condition of our heart. We truly surrender our will and our ways to Jesus. And we ask you, ask him to rescue us and to help us turn from sin. That's what it means to surrender. And the fruit of the spirit do not become real in your life until you surrender to Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think we become satisfied with moral modification because we don't understand the Holy Spirit. I was just in a conversation this past week um, with a group of guys and, and we, we began to talk about, we don't understand the Holy Spirit. Like nobody ever talks about the Holy Spirit. And so we, we, we lean on and we accept what we know. We know how to try harder, of course. We know when we need to do better. We know how to fake it. Take note as we get started that patience runs completely cross-grain with many of us for the simple fact that we are human, right? We're gonna look at these two passages of scripture today. The first one will demonstrate God's patience towards us and the second, our patience towards other people. Did you know in scripture that all nine of the fruit of the spirit are modeled by God? Of course. Because I've told you over and over again that the only place we need to go is to the vine. Because we're the branch and he's the vine, Jesus says, and that's where we meet. And all of these are modeled by God in scripture. So he demonstrates for us. So here we go. The fruit of patience is modeled by God. God, 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, that's what it says. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. So, so who was Peter writing to? He's writing to this group of believers who were constantly faced with persecution. The day is coming, friends. If it's not already partially here, believers who were constantly faced with persecution, most likely God's promise of return may have seemed very slow in their minds, in the minds of believers. It, it would have been easy to lose patience with God and that's what this passage is about. And they found themselves in this season when they're being persecuted, when it would have been easy for them to say, if there was ever a good time, God, this would be it. Sometimes I find myself thinking that very same thing. As you look around, do you ever think that? We're reminded God does not live according to the same timetable as we do. And just as people thought, I am sure, God seems slow at times in keeping his promise. It can feel that, that way sometimes when we long for something from God, and we haven't received it. It hasn't happened yet. Or whether it's in context of his return, when he returns for his church, or whether it's in context of an answer prayer, something that you have been on your face about day in and day out, or an unmet need, or certainly something that we want to have happen, God does seem slow at times. And our patience runs out. And it runs thin. 
What are you waiting on with God? In what ways have you lost patience with God? A thousand years may pass by, but to God it's like a day. Watch in the night, as the psalm says. And so probably for most of us, if we're gonna be really honest, we lose our patience with God when he doesn't do what we want him to do when we want him to do it. Our patience with God runs out because we filter everything in our life through a timetable that God doesn't live by. Our patience with God runs out because we filter everything in our life through a timetable that God does not live by. So understanding God's timetable is important in understanding God's patience. He lives according to a timetable that only he knows. Do you see the patience of God? Paul writes in Ephesians 2, he says this, all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. We, by nature, were deserved, deserving of wrath, of God's wrath. All of us have used the things of this world to make the hunger pains of our sin nature go away. A sin nature that is never satisfied and always wants more. A sin nature that goes hand in hand with our patience way more than what we might think. When we don't get what we want, when we want it, think about this. When we don't get what we want, when we want it, our sin nature oftentimes goes into overdrive. because we're selfish. And so our sin nature kicks into overdrive and we use the things of this world to satisfy that which we don't have the patience to wait for. We're reminded that before Christ, we are dead in our transgressions, we're dead in our sins. So we can use that word transgressions um, which means to, uh, to live uh, against a code of conduct, or it means to take a wrong step. To, sin means to, like, bow and arrow, miss the mark. You can call them a transgression or a sin. They both have the same result, and they're against God, right? Again, do you see the patience of God? So as we stare temptation in the face, which I do every single day and so do you, knowing that, that, that looking at porn or, or cheating on our spouse or being unwilling to forgive or living in judgment of others or lying or pride, they all make sense for a dead person. They're all cover-ups with our lack of patience in finding what we're looking for in God. And so 2 Peter 3, verse 9, the second verse of this passage says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is the why. 
That is the why behind God, why God is patient with us. And as I have personally at times wrestled with sin and temptations, the scripture reminds me, oh yeah, that's who I used to be. I no longer live like that. Thank you, God, for your patience. You will often hear believers say something like this. I wish God would return to take his bride, to take his church home with him. And then we pause and say, but not quite yet, because I want so-and-so to know Jesus. I want to make sure that so-and-so in my life knows Jesus and that they too can spend eternity in heaven with me in his presence. So it's kind of this tension between an already but not yet. I wish that he would come, but not yet. God's patience is revealed in the delay of his judgment. Why is it so slow? Because he hates the thought of anyone perishing. He can't stand the thought of people rejecting him again and again, so he patiently waits, not forcing anyone, but drawing people to himself. And while the Lord's return is inevitable and judgment will come, the Lord is waiting patiently for everyone to come to repentance. And, frankly, for many to turn back. So as God watches the world deteriorate morally and ethically, he waits for people to come to him. And while, while he sees the rebellion of people and the gross sin on this earth, he patiently waits in hopes that none will perish. How does he do it? Because God is full of grace and mercy. Or if that were not true, we would not be sitting here today. So what is his goal? that the lost will come and the wanderer will return. And for that reason, we can confidently say, God is an extremely patient God and sets before us a perfect example of what patience looks like. So James, in his writings, uses a farmer and his field as an example. I thought this was appropriate for this time of year. This is what he says. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So in talking with the farmer one time, he told me, a farmer is never ever satisfied. Either there's too much rain or there's not enough rain, right? Farmers are fully dependent on something that is completely out of their control, the weather. If a farmer spends all his days worrying and fretting about something that he has absolutely no control over, his patience will certainly be tested. Of course, he draws our attention to the farmer whom he says waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is while waiting for the seasonal rains. I remember, maybe you had this experience too in high school or, or maybe in college um, where there's 
this idea of two different kinds of tests, and I want to apply this to our lives. There's this idea of a chapter test and this idea of, of, of an accumulative test. So a chapter test, you show up and you come into the classroom. Today we're going to take a test on the last chapter that we just studied. So it's just the most recent material. You take a test on that, and then you move to the next chapter. Well, then there's this idea of an accumulative test, and I, I didn't care for these. I don't know about you, but you show up and it's like you're going to get tested on what you just recently studied, but also everything before that. And so it all builds like building blocks up until that point. So two different ideas. And when we go through trials in our life or when we're tested, we experience both kinds. We sometimes face chapter tests and sometimes we face accumulative tests. Sometimes we find ourselves in standalone seasons, sometimes a season of trial, seasons of suffering, seasons of waiting. Sometimes trials and suffering and periods of waiting are cumulative. They can build from a previous chapter in our life and they just build and build and build. As the farmer stands firm in patience waiting for his yield in the autumn and the spring rains, we are called to stand firm in times of uncertainty, times of trial, times of waiting. And like the farmer, the only way we can stand firm is to anchor ourselves to the God of all hope. In what way are you thankful for God's patience towards you? Can you think of anything? Secondly, the fruit of patience is extended to others. So now we've talked about uh, the fact that God models patience towards us. So now what does it look like for the fruit of the spirit of patience to be lived out in context with relationships? Ephesians 4.2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another. So let's talk about this idea of, of how do we live out this fruit of patience. And remember that with each part of the fruit of the Spirit, we learn, we learn it at the vine. And it's lived out through the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is growing the fruit of patience in us for good reason. Patient people put up with circumstances and other people even when severely tried. Patient people display endurance, long-suffering. Patient people display perseverance. And so in the same way that God has patience towards us, not giving us what we deserve. Apply that. Not giving us what we deserve. The Holy Spirit grows patience in us so that we don't destroy one another. Patience is a buffer or a stopgap between what we believe to be true about a person or a situation and what we believe they deserve. Patience involves seeing the potential in people for who they can become, not for who they currently are. I share that every time I do a wedding. See the potential in your spouse for who they can become, not who they currently are. Patience is waiting on God to show you what you're supposed to do in his time. Patience is accepting the fact that not everyone is like you. Praise the Lord. 
Patience is allowing a child to be who, who they are, who they've been created to be with their gifts and their talents. Patience is when we recognize another's faults, but we remain gentle. The ability to accept delay graciously and calmly, quietly and understandingly is a person who's unique, right? I wanna have lots of patience, right? I just don't wanna need it. What's up with people who stop two car lengths from the line at a stoplight? This is really bugging me. Or leaving enough space for a semi-truck to park between them and the car in front of them. Has anyone else ever noticed this? Has anyone noticed this? Or is, are my eyes just recently been open to this? I, I literally, I have seen this and I've been pointing it out to Lori. On numerous occasions, I pull up in my lane behind the car in front of me while waiting on a light. I look over and there's a car next to me, like, I might, like you might expect, but that's not the problem. It's the, the, the problem is, is that the car right next to me, though I'm right behind my car, there's literally two to three car lengths between them and the person in front of them. I don't get it. I don't understand that people, if this continues, if this catches on, you will be in North Fargo waiting on a stoplight on 52nd Avenue. This new phenomenon could impact you greatly. It will triple your time to get to work, to a store. The Chick-fil-A line would start at Best Buy's parking lot. Is a strawberry shake with whipped cream and a cherry really worth that kind of wait? Yes, maybe peach. And since I'm on Chick-fil-A, what's up with the new sample size shakes? You know, have you noticed that too? They've gone to these little itty bitty shakes. I have wondered if this new, if this is new since the pandemic, it's a social distancing for cars that we're experiencing. Seriously, sometimes I just look over at the person and then at the parking lot between them and the next person and wonder if I'm doing something wrong. Have you wondered that? Maybe there's a new law I'm not aware of. Maybe it's no longer acceptable in our culture to be close to the car in front of you. I like to get right up on people so they don't think something's wrong with them. I want them to know that they're loved and accepted and that I'm not moving away from them, right? Come on. Where is your patience tested? Every single day. By the way, just so I don't feel like an oddball, has anybody else noticed what I just described? Is this new? Is it new? No, not new, this has been happening, okay. Again, in the book of James, he brings in a different perspective on the topic of patience. James 1.19, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen. This goes with patience. Slow to speak, slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Patience with others requires the ability and the readiness to listen. Not a readiness to hear what you don't wanna hear or not hear what you wanna hear. to seek to understand by seeing things from another person's perspective, even when we think we're right, and we always think we're right.
It's the ability to keep control of our words and actions during times when things are not going our way. When our patience runs out and the emotion of anger rears its ugly head, often people in our path get hurt. And sometimes really bad. Whether it's through the words maybe that come spewing out of our mouth, that cut to the heart, or through our actions as we impatiently show disappointment. It's amazing how quickly we are willing to write each other off. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. It's, it's an interesting season we are in right now when it comes to the church world. I'm a pastor, so I live this world. And there is this trend for people to find everything that they can and what's wrong with a church. All the preferences that don't get met. What if we were to take all that same energy and all that same time and discover all the things that's right with the church and celebrate what God is doing? James says later in his writing, don't grumble against others or you'll be judged. Proverbs 15, 18 echoes that a hot-tempered man stirs up strife but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. So we have these two lenses. We have lack of patience, which leads to judgment because we constantly find people's shortfalls. And we find ourselves talking more about another person's weaknesses and rather than their strengths or jumping to conclusions regarding another person's actions or unwilling to hear the whole story or having these unreal expectations setting ourselves as the standard for perfection a living disappointment when people aren't like us. Or there's another lens that we can look through and that's the fruit of patience. It's the ability to see and focus on people's strengths or taking the time to research the situation before we jump to conclusions or thinking the best of a situation or a willingness to listen or allowing God to hold the standard of perfection, seeing a person for who they are in Christ. Patience can only be exercised when we see people as God's projects and not our own. Give those people around you to the Lord. Release them back to him. God is the potter, we are not. He's the one who began the good work, not us. He's the one who's going to finish it, not us. Who is it that you're trying to change with a lack of patience? What is it you're trying to change because you lack patience? Father, thank you for this great day and thank you for this topic of patience. And, and Lord, man, how could we possibly even be here or stand if it wasn't for the patience that you have with us? We praise you for that. God, uh, every one of us in this room could think of situations or an individual where we need to exercise patience. And we need a patience that's different than moral modification where we just try harder. We need a patience that doesn't come from us, comes through the Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.